Some of you uh, may not actually know this, but Chris has been uh, on our staff around Journey since the very, very early years of Journey. In fact, it was 12 years ago while Chris was on his honeymoon that he gave me a call. I mean, of all the things you could have been doing on your honeymoon, it means a lot that you called me. You're welcome. It's always meant a ton. Uh, But Chris asked me a question. He said, hey, I'm graduated from college, married, uh, thinking about ministry. If you know of any opportunities, let me know. And I said, you know, I'm not on staff there, but I'm a part of a church plant in Bozeman and would love to talk more about that. Well, one thing led to another, and Chris became an intern within our student ministries and continued to serve in and around so many things that we did here until he uh, ended up here as our teaching pastor on our council, on our leadership team, um, leading at all levels uh, of our church. It's been absolutely fun to be a part of that with him. And you can imagine over 12 years, Chris has worn a lot of hats for us here at Journey, some of them figuratively, but some of them literally. Let's watch this video of the many faces of Chris Townley. Hey, sorry if you're from Butte. My name's Chris, by the way. It's good to see you guys this morning. I was just in that canoe, so I thought I'd come hang out. If uh. I and it never makes sense, right? Like if Adam's certain, because we go all the way back to Adam and Eve and the serpent and the breaking of humanity and the people left her the breaking of humanity and the scared soul. Your way. And I will always love you, will always love you. See how the spirit was moving yeah, when you were preaching? I know, I know. 
Only you can pull that off. I, did a lot I could of never get them to do that, but you no. can pull that off. I, that doesn't say much. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to underscore in some ways just how important this is for us as a church. We want to be ascending church. We want there to be young leaders that are raised up around here with the skills and the abilities and the opportunities to lead so that they can go anywhere and build kingdom movements. You saw the video about our residency program. One of those things that we want to do to raise up young leaders, we don't want this to be a one-time thing of sending a leader into the world. There's a great biblical example of this. When we look at the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 13, there was a church in Antioch that was known for its sending of leaders. And at the very beginning of Acts chapter 13, they are gathered together in a worship environment and the spirit moves in that time and says, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I've called them to do. So in the midst of that environment, they gathered around Paul and Barnabas, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them out. I imagine what that was like for the church at Antioch. They're just thinking, Paul and Barnabas, they're our best. They're our best leaders. But their heart as a church was to send their best and I want you to know, Journey, that is our heart today, and it's going to be our heart into the future. We want to send our best, and we are sending our best. And we're going to be cheering, and we're going to be excited about all the things that God's going to do in his life and through his life and in his family with Kate and all the things that Kaleo is going to accomplish in Phoenix. But we want to follow that same biblical example of in that meeting while they were worshiping and fasting and praying. They laid hands on. So we're going to do that for Chris. There's several of our staff and council and some family and friends are going to come up here and we're going to lay our hands on Chris. If you could make your way up right now, that would be great. And I'm going to pray over Chris. I will do my very, very best to get through this. God, we pause right now and we lift our eyes to you and you alone and we say thank you. God, I want to say thank you for Chris's impact in my life, for his deep friendship, his love for me, his care for me, his challenge of me. God, my life is better because he was in it. I'm a better lover of you and follower of you because Chris has impacted me. Thank you for that. On behalf of the Journey Church family, I want to say thank you for all the seeds that were sown for so many years in so many lives, kingdom fruit that is continuing to grow because of what Chris did and sacrificed in and around our church family. And God, we want to just say thank you in advance for what you're going to do in and through his life in Phoenix. Lord, there are people that are going to come to know you for the very first time because of Chris's influence. People that are gonna come to know you in a better way because he teaches the scriptures to them in ways that they can understand and relate to. Jesus, we know that right now, you are at a banquet table and there's empty chairs, there's room for more. And the reason that you don't come back is because you want more to be at that banquet table. We're gonna celebrate with you one day, Jesus, and we're gonna thank you in advance for how you use Chris to fill up that banquet table with people in Phoenix. 
God, we love you. We trust you. We're committing our best into your hands. God, we love you. We love Chris. And Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Heck, you supposed to do after that? Huh? <laughs> well, hey, Journey. Uh, my name's Chris, and I'm glad <laughs> glad to be with you. Um, thanks for watching that and being a part of it. Uh, so, I anticipated that I would feel something. I was right. And so in doing that, I actually felt like it was going to be disingenuous of me to try to prepare a sermon in advance to follow an experience like this, which is uh, very unlike me, by the way. So I didn't, I didn't prepare a sermon as I sat with a text from the Psalms. It was, I don't know, it was blank. Um, So we're not in the series Summer in the Psalms right now. We're in Chris trying to navigate the things that God's been teaching him over the last couple of years that um, maybe God would want to to share with all of you. As I I wrestled with and prayed through what what I wanted to say, uh, these three words kept coming to mind and and the words were, were on the way. And, and the more that I thought about those words, I thought about uh, all of the ways in which God has, has walked with me on the way over the last handfuls of years, many of which are a, a part of being uh, with all of you in the Journey family. But specifically over the last two years as your teaching pastor after a short hiatus uh, in Phoenix, there was something really unique that God was doing in me when I came back about two years ago, and, and it was communicating to me uh, my, my identity, really, who, who God says I am. He wanted to use this time to communicate to me who he says I am. And it's funny because I think he's been trying to tell me that for a really long time, and I think he's probably trying to tell all of us who he thinks you are. Maybe some of you know it, maybe some of you live in it, maybe some of you receive it, or maybe some of you are still wrestling with what that might be. And so over the last two years in this season back here at Journey, the, the thing that God kept saying to me is that my life is for other people, which sounds like a thing that God would say. So that's kind of how I know it's him. And it's not even untrue for all of us, but it means something different to me because it's mine. It's, it's my identity. It's what he's said to me. It's what he's spoken in, to my heart and in my life and that I've encountered in intimate moments with him. And the last two years have been a gift on the way to step into that identity, to flesh that out, to see what it, it means when it comes alive inside of me. And so now here we are, a time of saying goodbye. And I'm going on my way to the desert again, to meet God there, to partner with him, to join him, to see what he's up to. 
And before I, I traffic us through, I actually, I actually do have some things from the Bible even for you today. After I, before I traffic us through that, uh, I, I wanted to share a video of even just what we're up to in Phoenix. Uh, our church is called Kaleo. Uh, I'm, I'm co-planting uh, with, with my friend named Chase Brown. And so you'll see both of us uh, in the video kind of sharing a little bit of both of our stories. So uh, would, you, would you watch this with me and I'll try and get myself together while it's going on. My name is Chris Townley, and I'm one of the planting pastors at Kaleo Phoenix. Uh, it was about 10 years ago that uh, I felt the call to plant a church, and so the last 10 years have been a, a journey in figuring out what that looks like. Uh, my wife Kate and I moved to Phoenix about five years ago, in the process really honestly falling in love with our city. During that time, I was a teaching pastor at Journey Church in Bozeman, Montana, with the intention of having them uh, send me out as their son at some point in time to plant a church. And so uh, just as we've navigated the, the growing city of Phoenix, we, we've learned to, to love a whole lot of different things about it, kind of a city without an identity. Uh, as tech comes in and, and young people are present, uh, we have a, a multi-ethnic community surrounding us. Uh, we personally live in a predominantly Latino community and are learning to love uh, our Latino neighbors well. And in the process of uh, trying to figure out what it looks like to be a, a community, uh, a family of God in this place, it drew us to the table, uh, a place where we, we gather and eat together. And, and as that was kind of born inside of us, uh, I ended up meeting uh, Chase Brown, who uh, we're planting with, and, and him and I had this like-mindedness of what it would look like to, to create a space where everyone would have a seat at the table, and, and as we eat together and live together, uh, what would it look like to, to learn to practice the ways of Jesus? My name's Chase Brown. I'm one of the planting pastors of Kaleo Phoenix. In 2017, my wife and I felt called to plant a church. Just around that time, we got a random phone call from a guy who said, hey, would you consider planting a church in Phoenix, Arizona, which I had never been to at the time. Flew out, checked it out, looked at all the surrounding areas of Phoenix, but then we drove through downtown and there's this old church building that was clearly vacated. It hadn't been met in for years and years. There's no roof on it. And that building did something to me. And I got out of the car and just stared at it for a while. And I felt that nudge to take Phoenix seriously. So my wife and I started coming out here and we fell in love with the place. We saw ourselves living here. It gave us life and energy. We love the food, we love the people, but we love the fact that Phoenix is somewhat new. The downtown area, Central Phoenix, is becoming. And we felt called to be a part of that becoming and to create a healthy church in the process that reflects that community. We've been meeting together for, for months and months, eating together in living rooms and homes. We're sharing tables, which we believe is sharing lives. Um, but now starting September 8th, we're gonna meet corporately and we're gonna meet every week and have that in our rhythms and in our flow of the church that's becoming with this city that's becoming. We love the space that we're meeting in. Uh, Grace Lutheran Church off 3rd Street in Roosevelt, right in the middle of this city and all the construction around it, all the people, the condos, people are moving here and flocking in. 
And we feel called to be in this particular space because we believe that this building preaches for itself. From the moment you walk up the steps and you see that cross and you see the stained glass, it's preaching the kingdom of God to people when they walk in. It's preaching who Jesus is. And we get to be a community that exists in this sacred space to practice the ways of Jesus together. So come meet with us starting September 8th. We are incredibly excited about what God's doing. We're excited about where we're going and we can't wait to join together in the rhythms of meeting weekly starting September 8th. There you go, it's a little of what we're up to. Um, yeah. Okay, I don't even make the next transition. Uh, so as, as I've been thinking, again, the things that I would want to share with all of you, uh, there's this first uh, story that's been pivotal uh, in, in my life over the last couple of years uh, in particular. One, as I left Bozeman and went to Phoenix, and then as Phoenix became home and I left Phoenix and came back to Bozeman waiting to go back home to Phoenix, right? You see how it's complicated uh, and all of that. And so as I was on the way, this story of Jacob and Genesis, uh, Genesis 28 specifically, always uh, kind of captured me and, and drew me into a place of learning to pay attention to what God was doing all around me. Uh, Jacob is leaving home. And as he's leaving home, he's out in the wilderness. He's in the desert. Uh, all of these images uh, are metaphorically connected to my own life. And so he's on his way and he's finally got to stop and, and set up camp. And so he grabs this rock for a pillow and, and he lays down in this place. And as he's laying down in this place sleeping, the, the Lord comes to him in a dream and he has this beautiful dream, this vision of this ladder between earth and heaven and people going up and down. The, this, this picture as we look back on it through the lens of Jesus of what the whole thing was all about. Kingdom coming from heaven to earth. But Jacob has this unique dream. And he wakes up from this dream where he had this ladder and the heavens are open and God's speaking to him. He pops up off the rock that he'd been sleeping on. And he goes, I didn't even know God was in this place. And then he praised God. And I love the imagery that we see in Jacob there. Because I think that's probably all of our challenge as we go on the way, wherever it is you're going, because you're gonna get up out of these seats here in a moment and you're gonna go on the way. And I don't know where it is that God's calling you to go or what God's calling you to do. But I would love it if we all started to look around and go, wow, I didn't even know God was in this place. I didn't know God was in that relationship. I didn't know God was in that coffee shop, this office building, this home even. And we would pay attention to God all around us. I know that he's the God who goes with us on the way. And so the second story then that kind of captures this uh, journey, if you will, that I feel like I've been on is this story in Luke 24. And there's this scene that's unfolding. Jesus, just three days prior to this story, has been crucified. He's now risen from the dead, but not everybody is really keen on believing that that's actually true. And so two disciples in particular, they leave. They leave the center of everything, the place where they were called to live, and they begin to head to their old home, Emmaus. 
And so they're walking on this road. Jesus is resurrected. They've heard news of this, but they're not sure they can believe it. They're also completely brokenhearted that the one they thought would be the Messiah has been killed. Everything that they had hope in came crashing down, which is something that every single one of us in this room can relate to. And perhaps you too, when all of the hope just scattered, you started to walk away. And as these two disciples walk away on the road to Emmaus, who shows up but Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, which just if that was the end of the story is beautiful, that Jesus would show up and meet these disciples as they walk the other way. But the thing is, at this point in time, these two disciples, they didn't recognize him. You could say they hadn't read Genesis 28 and what Jacob was saying, they didn't know that God would be in that place quite yet. So they didn't recognize him, but they walk together and they tell this stranger all about what's unfolded, the heartbreak that they've experienced, their questions surrounding God's plan for the world because they thought it was tied to Jesus. And this stranger who is Jesus, he goes on to tell them all about the story of God from the beginning of scriptures to that moment in time. And they get to their home and Jesus, who has yet to be recognized, acts like he's gonna keep walking on. And they say, hey, come and have dinner with us. It's too late to be out walking around. It's getting dark. Come and have a meal with us. So they come in to the home. And they take the bread. They break it and they give thanks. And as Jesus who's become the host in their home, is about to hand them the bread. Their eyes are opened and they see him in their presence, around the table, sharing a meal together. And Jesus disappears like that. The Jesus who joined them, even as they walked away from home, like what a beautiful reminder of what God is like. Even as you walk away from home, even if your world is shattered, even if you have no idea why you're even walking the other way, he comes and meets you and he longs to have a meal with you. And so for me, the call is to embody that way of living, to come alongside those who are walking away from home, point them to the Jesus that perhaps they didn't recognize and bring them to the table where Jesus is always the host so that we can recognize him there. But I love this other part of that story as it ends. Jesus disappears out of thin air. It's just nuts. I'm not sure how to explain that. Maybe another time. And as they're sitting there, they look at each other and they go, didn't our hearts burn within our chests? Their hearts were warmed just simply in the presence of Jesus. And I would want for every single one of us to recognize that God is actually in this place, whatever your place is, and let your heart and your life be warmed even for a moment to burn inside your chest to remind you that our God is a God who wants to go with you wherever it is you need to go. And then there's this third story. And this story's in Luke chapter 15. And it's the story that has a story that's been a thread through my entire life, and it's the parable of the prodigal son. 
And I know we got to share a, a video of all the hats and things that I've uh, done in my time here on this stage. And honestly, this stage is not representative of what I gave my life to, but it's a unique opportunity to share from the place in which I gave my life to it. And so we've seen my life come out in this place. And the thing that probably brought me most into the place is the depths of God is the parable of the prodigal son. And it was an ongoing joke in my first stint here at Journey because if I didn't know what to preach, I'd just preach on the parable of the prodigal son. Like, I'd, I'd just do it again. Because I don't think we can hear it enough. Right, because he, you, you know the story, but let me tell you the story. Right, let me just say it one more time, right? There's these religious leaders and they're all upset. They're like, who is Jesus eating with? The worst, right? Like, come on, Jesus, you can't do that. And you see at that moment in time, they're already wondering who Jesus eats with. And maybe you can begin to catch a glimpse of why I believe that so much of the work that God wants to do in the world is gonna be around the table. It's about who you sit with, who's in your home. And they're like, you can't eat with those people. And Jesus tells them three stories. He tells one story about a sheep. We sang about it. There were 99 sheep that got left behind so the shepherd could find the one. He brings it home. They say, hey, man, all of heaven celebrates even when one sheep who was lost is found again. Then Jesus tells this other story where he centers God as a woman who has some coins, and that's nuts because she had 10 total coins. She lost one, cleans the whole house out, finds it. When she finds that coin, it's as if one person would come home to the Lord and all of the heavens celebrate. And then Jesus tells the third story, which is the parable of the prodigal son, which is actually a story about two sons and a father. And these two sons, one is younger and one is older, they're gonna have a say on the father's estate at some point in time, but the younger son comes forward first and he says, Father, I would like my share of your estate now, which is him saying, Dad, I wish you were dead which is pretty intense, but it's also a thing that sometimes we do. We could relate to that if we're honest. And so he says that to his dad and his dad's like, harsh, but here. Gives him the money, the younger son takes the money. He goes, he spends it on wild living. And one time I was telling this story because I've preached this sermon 4,000 times. And one time I was preaching it to a bunch of high school students and Brandon Edwards, our, our worship pastor, he was there with their oldest daughter, Jane, and they're sitting in the back. And, and I said, do you know what wild living is to this group of high school students? And she elbows her dad. I don't know how old she was at that time, like maybe four or something. And she says, dad, I know what wild living is. It's lions and tigers and elephants <laughs> which is just hilarious, but has nothing to do with my story. And, <laughs> and so if that's what you think wild living is, you're a little off base, you went to the zoo. But, but he, gave, he gave his life to things that were meaningless, right? He'd hit rock bottom, this younger son. And he's in this place of rock bottom, the bottom of the bottom. And he says to himself, he has this moment of, I guess, clarity. And he says, why am I here? I should be where my father is. I could at least be a hired servant in my dad's house and I could eat. I could be clothed. I could have a place to stay. And so he pops up from the pig pen that he finds himself in. He prepares a speech to share with his father and he heads for home. And on his way home is when the parable gets really good because the father apparently 
Our father who represents God, the same God who Jacob recognized in the desert, the same God who is embodied in Jesus, who followed those disciples on their way home. That God shows up in the picture of this father and the parable, and guess what this father was doing? He was looking into the distance for his son. Every day he looked for his son to come home. That's what our God is like, on the lookout for every single one of us to come home. And he's not just on the lookout, though, because finally one day he catches him. He sees him in the distance. And you would think, right, that this would be the time in which that father would be like, I told you so. There's going to be some stipulations. He's going to set that up. Maybe he would even lock the door. Not this father who represents our father. This father looks off in the distance and he takes off on a sprint. As I've preached a gazillion times again, our God is a God who sprints to us. And he gets to his son, his child, the one he loves. The moment that he meets him, he wraps him in an embrace. He says, there's no time for your speech. He holds him close. And as I envision that moment, I transport to 15 minutes ago to standing here with people who've loved me so well, wrapping their arms around me, praying for me, because the whole reason we're talking about me today is not about me. It's because of just how loved I am might give us one little glimpse of how much God loves you how much he wants to come after you and be with you and walk with you and go with you so you would have eyes to see all the things he wants to do in your life. Through the gifts he's given you, the opportunities he's given you. And so here we have this father who caught a glimpse of his son in the distance, sprints and grabs him and wraps him in an embrace. And they're just holding each other there. Because that's what love looks like. And he says, hey, get, get a robe Get some shoes, get a ring, which are all the father's things. Cover him in these. Because what are they gonna do next? They're gonna eat. That's what they're gonna do because that's what you do to bring the kingdom of God to life, you eat. They come back to the father's house. He says, get the, the fattest calf we have. We're having a barbecue tonight. My favorite Sentence in the whole Bible is in this section. The NLT version says, so the party began. Because that is what it looks like when you come home to be with the God who loves you. And you know when you're at a good party, you just wish everyone else could be there to experience it too. And so we go as people who experience the party who go with the God who goes with us all the time. And we don't stop bringing people to the table with us from all the corners of the world. That's the picture of the age to come, of the kingdom that Jesus preaches about, that we would become, in fact, a multi-ethnic family of God, all the tribes, all the tongues, all the nations, the rich and the poor, the young and the old, that we would all center ourselves around a table in which Jesus hosts us. And he says, this is what it's supposed to be like. And we would go, oh, 
And the party began. I just want more than anything else all of us to see how much God loves us. Like that's, that's all that you need to know. Like I love to teach, I love to preach. I love to tell stories, I love to unpack the cultural significance of a biblical text. But really what we need to know is how loved we are by this God, whether we're walking away from home, whether we're coming home or whether we're out in the desert with our head on a rock, unaware that God was even in that place. And I want God to be able to speak to each one of you who he says you are. And I want you to hear that, that whisper in your own life so that you might live out of that identity. You are who God says you are, let that be true. You'll find that when you ask God to tell you that, the words are way less profound than you anticipated, but the meaning is fuller and more intimate than you could ever imagine it to be. So all I want to give us a chance to do is to hear from a God who sprints and a God who speaks and a God who's already in this place. And I want you to be able to just pause for a moment and say, Lord, who do you say that I am? And pray that he would give you ears to hear. And then pray that you'd receive it. And then pray that you'd go live it. Because that's what we need. We need more people who live out of the identity that God's given them. And he wants that for each one of us more than we could ever want it for ourselves. So let's pause for a moment. Invite the Lord to speak that to you. Maybe you'll find yourself in the story of Jacob and you'll say, I didn't know God was in this place. Maybe you'll find yourself on the road to Emmaus, away from home, away from where God wants you to be and you'll find he meets you there and your heart was burning inside your chest or maybe you'll find him at the party of a son who's come home and been met by his father. Take a few moments to let the Lord speak and then I'll guide us into communion together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you're with us. We welcome you, we thank you for the gift of your presence. God, we thank you that you're a God who loves us. I thank you that you show us that truth through other people. And I thank you for the gift it's been for me today to encounter your love through other people. I pray that we would all have experiences in which we encounter your love through other people. God, as a Journey Church family, I pray that you would give us eyes to recognize you in all of the places 
that, that we too would have such a profound experience with you in those places that we would remark like Jacob did, God, I didn't even know you were in this place. But we would find you and meet you there, that we would join you and participate alongside of you. God, I pray that if we're walking away, so to speak, away from something, away from you, whatever it might be, that we would also have eyes to see that you are a God who meets us on that path, that you walk with us in whatever direction we go because you so long to be with us. Would we receive that love right now in this moment, Lord? And God, I pray that we would encounter you as the God who brings us home that life with you would be life at home where we're supposed to be. And let us pause for one moment right now, Lord, and envision you enveloping us in a hug in the same way you would hug that son who came back home. Embrace us now, Lord. are so loved by you. Holy Spirit, would you fill each one of us with that love and then send us out with your power. Speak to us who you say we are. Give us the courage to receive it and live it and walk in that way, knowing that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the spirit that lives inside of us. And that is how we are capable of being the people God invites us and calls us to be. Let us go with you, Lord. To you be the glory. We love you so much. We thank you for loving us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.